0: Hello and welcome. My name is Justin Woods and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Talking Roadmaps channel, along with my other co-host, Phil Hornby. Together we talk everything roadmaps, from the good, the bad and the ugly. We get to speak to real-life practitioners, experts and some thought leaders in that space as well. If you're new to the channel, please do look through our back catalogue of other people that have spoken with us, see if there's some value there. And if you find value, please give that video a like or consider subscribing if you haven't already. Also, if you'd like to take part in the channel, then feel free to reach out to us either in the comments or drop an email over at our website, talkingroadmaps.com, and we'd love to get you in the hot seat as well. Talking of hot seats, my guest today, is a very special guest for me personally, he's a leading product management expert for the last 15 years and specializes in product strategy, leadership, and agility. I know I've used many of his concepts and tools in the past, so for many of you, he doesn't need much introduction, but today, Roman Piechler, welcome.
1: Thank you, Justin. Thanks for the <laughs> kind introduction.
0: Of course. I hope I did you justice, but I wanted to give you an opportunity just to introduce yourself to people that may not have heard of you.
1: I think you, you've said it all. Um, so, you know, I, uh, my job is to try and help people ultimately create successful products. At least that's how I how I see it. So I, I work with uh, heads of product, product leaders. I work with the doers, product managers, product owners. Um, and try and uh, you know offer workshops, training courses, uh, books, blog, podcast, various resources. And I've been doing this for quite a while. Yes, and it's been, it's lovely to be on the show.
0: Fantastic! Well, it's lovely to to have you here and, and a fellow YouTuber as well, Roman. So we're going to link to your channel down below in the description. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, fantastic to have you here. So. Why don't we get stuck in and get straight to the meat of the the conversation today, which is obviously talking roadmaps. We're very passionate about roadmaps, but they're only a small part of, let's say, the roadmapping process. But maybe if we just keep it small for the moment, in in your view, what do you think the purpose of a roadmap
1: is? What's the purpose of a roadmap? Yeah, that's, I think, a, a very good and very important question. So for me, you know, I'd probably say the purpose of a roadmap is to allow us to describe what is the specific value that our product should create over the coming months. And so a time frame I like to suggest is around about 12 months. Uh, If that's too long, then maybe more six months or nine months. Sometimes when there's hardware and plastic involved, 12 months is not long enough and then we have to extend it and maybe go up to 18 or 24 months. But yeah, what's the specific value our product should create uh, and what are the specific outcomes or the specific goals that we'd like to achieve, that we'd like to meet. And by, you know, specific, I mean really something like we want to increase engagement by three to 5% over the next two to three months, for instance. Right. And so in making those outcomes, making those goals, making the value, the benefits uh, measurable. So that's, for me, an important uh, aspect, of an important purpose of roadmaps. And the other thing I'd say is that uh, a roadmap allows us to communicate and show um, how a higher level product strategy, what I would call a, a product strategy is, is likely to be implemented. A product strategy being a, a plan that maybe contains the purpose of why we're doing the product, something like a vision statement, mm-hmm. um, talks about the users and customers, um, target group, market, market segment, talks about the needs or the, the problem that the product should address, the benefit it should offer, maybe stand out features and business goals. Yeah. And I like to work with such a kind of higher level strategy, but in order to describe what's our approach to making the product successful. Um, but, you know, it tends to be a little bit too high level, a little bit too coarse-grained, a little bit too vague then to to really have these kind of specific outcomes or specific goals that we'd like to work towards. And that's exactly where, in my mind, the product roadmap comes in. So you can tell I'm a bit of a, a roadmap uh, fanboy as well. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Great to have you on the channel. <laughs> At least so. certain types of roadmaps I should say certain types of
0: roadmaps yeah absolutely and in fact later on we'll talk about you know that some of the pros and cons of those because I think people fall into some anti-patterns or some bad habits certainly myself when, when I did uh, so we'll definitely come on to that but um, I love the way that you positioned it there and also acknowledgement that really the roadmap, the, the duration or the cadence of that roadmap really depends on your product. It probably depends on where your product is in its life cycle and the type of company that you have as well.
1: That's right. Yes, that's right. And you know, it's one of those things in product management that you know often the answer is it depends and you know it's true, as you said, you know you know you need to look at the market, you need to look at the product, you need to look at the organizations that's developing and providing the product, mm-hmm. and then determine you know what is the right approach for you, you know, having said that, I do think that um you know particularly in the product road mapping space, you know when I think back to like ten fifteen or even twenty years ago. Uh, a lot of progress uh, has been made and I think we've got um, more, um, much better tools available today, much better templates, much better road mapping approaches. There's much more advice available, which I think is, is brilliant, it's great. Mm-hmm. I sometimes envy people who come into the uh, into the profession now thinking like, well, when I started, I was kind of thrown into this, I kind of fell into it. <laughs> uh, I guess the, the challenge today is that there's so much information available that sometimes it's hard to you know find out what is really valuable, what is really applicable to me and my product.
0: Mm-hmm. Massively. And and the other thing I find, uh, and I completely agree with what you said, the other thing that I've sort of found is that sometimes people try and take a model from a successful company that maybe worked 10 years ago, and they're working hard to implement that now. But their company isn't where that company was 10 years ago, and things are very different. So I think you really have to carefully analyze these things and take what works for you and take some inspiration from those things. But Trying to blindly implement, you know, the, the Spotify model, for instance, may not be the right approach. It really does depend. I think you said it well. Yeah, agreed. So I think you've nailed the purpose of the roadmap there, and that really resonates with me as well. Talk to me maybe about the audience of a roadmap.
1: Yeah, that's another uh, great question. So I like to, well, it's not only me. I think quite, you know, I think it's it's um, makes a lot of sense to distinguish between uh, an internal. Or you know, private and a public external product roadmap. Mm-hmm. Some companies like to um, publish their product roadmaps, and then the audience are uh, customers, uh, users, as well as internal stakeholders, um, you know, people from the various business uh, units, departments, as well as the development teams. Yeah. Um, and some companies have a preference to work with internal product roadmaps, and then the audience really will be primarily the key stakeholders, the internal business stakeholders, and the development teams, and maybe the the sponsor. Mm-hmm. So most of my work really focuses on internal roadmaps um, that essentially, you know, help people coordinate, help align the work of you know the various individuals and teams in order to create a whole and in order to create value. Right.
0: Yeah. Massively.
1: So, and I, I do think it's important to be uh, aware of this distinction because uh, I think in external product roadmap, you probably want to then be be a little bit careful, you know, with regards to certain types of uh, information that you expose. So, for instance, specific dates, or you know. Um, you know even specific features if you want to use any features at all on your product roadmap i'm not right. sure that that's necessarily such a great idea because you know you you, know, you might make a commitment at an early stage that you may not be able then uh, mm-hmm. to to deliver so you know depending on who the audience is that will influence the roadmapping approach and it will influence the specific product roadmap format that you you choose or at least the elements that go on the on the product roadmap uh,
0: yeah absolutely um, it just it strikes me that there there needs to be you need to think about what the audience wants to see but also what you're comfortable sharing I often talk about the circle of trust and it might be that the product teams which might be the UX teams the development teams you might share a certain level of information with them of of what we might put as an internal type roadmap and then other audiences where sales and marketing might get different views of that and then the external customer as well I, I like what you said about the features I think it's I think there is an evolution going on at the moment where we need to bring our customers along that journey with us in terms of letting them know what the expectations are of a roadmap and what it is. You know, A lot of people get very hung up on releases and what functionalities in a release, whereas actually we should be educating them more on these are some of the problems that we're trying to help you solve and almost leaving the, the solution agnostic of that. It's like we're going to, we're going to go about this many different ways. Um, so we're not going to we're going to tell you what we're going to what you can benefit from, but not necessarily the how.
1: Yeah, and no, I I fully agree. Uh, you know, for me, you know, if you if you think about how product roadmaps are traditionally um, designed or built, and you know, it's it's still interesting. I uh, a few days ago I went on uh, Google Images and you know, keyed in product roadmap, and you know, most of the images that come up are traditional roadmaps, and and those are feature based roadmaps. Right. So traditionally. And I think that's still the concept many people in product management have. You know, product roadmap essentially is a list of features mapped onto a timeline. And for me, I'd have to say that, you know, certainly when we talk about digital products uh, and also when we talk about markets that change uh, unexpectedly and, and rapidly, um, you know that concept is no longer beneficial, <laughs> so you know personally I think uh you know if that 's all what what some of the, the the viewers do currently map features onto a timeline there 's a massive opportunity to upgrade and level up your your product road mapping practices. So I'm a big fan of working with outcome-based or goal-oriented mm-hmm. product roadmaps. To me, those, those those terms are largely interchangeable, synonymous. Some people like to talk about themed roadmaps or problem-based roadmaps. I mean, the various uh, terms that I think really describe the same idea. And that is, first and foremost, think about the specific value that the product should create in the coming months. Um, You know, the specific outcomes that the product should achieve, you know, the specific problem a product should solve, like, you know, increase engagement or um, acquire more users or uh, increase revenue or reduce cost or future-proof the product by reducing technical debt, just sort of to, um, you know, give some examples um, and and really make that the heart of the product roadmap, make that the backbone, the core of your roadmap, And then you can decide what other elements you you use in order to, in a way, complement that picture, complement that narrative. Um, You know, if you want to use timeframes, if if you want to use dates, if you want to use metrics in order to make sure that those outcomes, those goals are measurable, if you want to use uh, selected coarse-grained features in terms of product capabilities to sketch out what the solution might look like, you know, just at a very high level, or if you say, actually, now we're not going to use any features at all, we're going to be really... A solution agnostic, or with an external roadmap, we only show the, the the outcomes. We only show the goals. And that's it. And you know, maybe then use an approach that Janabasto suggested—the now, next, later—that you have these really, really big timeframes where you know you've got a lot of room to wiggle. You
0: know? Yeah.
1: But again, it'll depend on the audience. It'll depend on the the expectations of the market. In um, it, you know you mentioned product life cycle and maturity earlier it 'll depend where your product is and its life cycle. The more stable the product is the more you and the better you understand the market, the easier it is to look ahead with confidence right
0: yeah ab- absolutely absolutely and and you 've touched on a lot of different concepts there which um we we will revisit just briefly because I think there 's some real best practices that you've mentioned that you've, you've baked into that response. And so I'm definitely keen to pick that, pick up on that. In fact, Jana joined us on the channel uh, very early on uh, to talk about those things. And that's certainly a style where when I was starting out as a product manager, I stuck myself in a room and I created a release plan and said, this is my roadmap and you know how I've evolved there. So like you said, a, a Google search of these things shows that there's still some work for us to do, but we're moving in the right lines.
1: I think so as well, yeah, I think so as well, and you know I do think there's some agreement in the product management community that um, a probably an outcome based goal oriented road mapping approach is is the way to go or tends to be preferable over feature based uh, roadmaps and you know I think that's great, I think, as you say that's moving us really in the right direction hopefully
0: absolutely we just need to uh, we just need to keep communicating that and showing the way forwards but um I want to talk about um, kind of vision and strategy in in just a moment, but just to finish up that section, who who in your mind owns a roadmap and maintains the roadmap? Are they one and the same?
1: Yeah, that's another really interesting question. So for me, ultimately, the person in charge of the product owns the product roadmap. So, you know, the traditional Mm -hmm. term would be a product manager or in an Agile scrum-based context, it would be the scrum product owner. And I, I generally... I guess that's related to the question of what is the, the product manager, the Scrum product owner role, role all about and what level of empowerment of um, authority of decision making do product people have to have. But for me, ultimately, the person in charge of the product should have the final say on strategic product decisions. And so I personally look at the roadmap as a strategic product plan, um, you know, together that's with the, the the product strategy. So those are the two strategic planning artifacts. And, um, but at the same, so, you know, ultimately, person in charge of the product owns it. And ultimately, the person in charge of the roadmap has to ensure that the the person in charge of the product <laughs> is to ensure that the yeah. roadmap is up to date. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not only wasteful to have a product roadmap that's outdated, it, it can be really um, lead to people making the wrong decisions. So that'd be that'd be a shame. However, I'm personally a, b- a big fan of collaborative roadmapping, of involving development team representatives and key stakeholders in creating an, the initial product roadmap and then regularly, <clears throat> excuse me, reviewing and updating the roadmap. I really like the concept of where you're going with that, Roman. So it,
0: it's more of um, almost not leaving that to one individual. It's, and especially, you mentioned tech debt and things like that earlier. So I'll let you carry on and pick up where you were, but that sounds like a very important
1: transition. You know, I guess they're different approaches that uh, you you can employ, but I always find it nice to try and bring the right people together in form of a collaborative workshop, be it on site, be it online. You know, for me, that has, you know, if that workshop is prepared well and facilitated well. then you know that has several uh, benefits the first one is it creates uh, a clear understanding and a shared understanding of the plan you know people are on the same page people understand what those outcomes or those goals really are about <clears throat> excuse me you you leverage the expertise you mentioned it with technical debt you know as the person in charge of the product i yeah. may not have yeah. all the necessary knowledge technical knowledge to understand okay how bad is it <laughs> would it be worthwhile to spend like 6 weeks or 2 months just addressing technical debt, just removing spaghetti code, yeah. doing architecture, refactoring, reducing code complexity, and then really having a clean code base, of, you know, certainly a cleaner code base so we can innovate faster, add more features more quickly. Um, and thirdly, I find that when I ask people to contribute to a decision and I invite them and I make an effort to listen to them with an open mind and appreciate what they have to say, they're much more likely to support the decision or the decisions. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the product roadmap and not just pay a lip service to it and then go away and do whatever they think is right, but actually work towards those outcomes, work towards those goals right. that we've captured. So, mm-hmm. you know, that for me, you know, really uh, kind of justifies the effort of trying to bring people together and trying right. to, um, you know, encourage people to um, reach some form of agreement or consensus. Um, You know, and so a decision rule, for instance, that could be used in order to reach agreement might be consent, which means that, you know, everybody has to be, um, you know, nobody has any meaningful objections. that's probably the better way to put it. Nobody has any meaningful objections, particularly when it comes to the the, the core elements of the product roadmap right the, the the outcomes, the the goals uh, that were um, put down on the plan. So you know everybody can live with it. it's It's good enough to start working towards those goals and then we'll review it, we'll inspect it on a regular basis anyway and it'll it'll change because it's a, a living document, it's a living plan. And um, yeah, so for me, that's really a powerful concept. It's it's difficult to implement in some organisations where you know um, people aren't that used that much to teamwork and collaboration, and where you know there's some um, um, uh, some, some some hierarchies that are very strong. Um, and it can also be challenging when you have difficult individuals. Uh, you know, collaborative roadmapping mapping approach, collaborative decision making means that people essentially see each other more or less as peers and yes. treat each other with respect. So if you have a very senior stakeholder in there who just thinks, you know, that they know best, <laughs> and they must decide and their opinion must win, uh, then it can be very challenging and difficult. And so just to elaborate on this very briefly, and uh, you know, as, as we yeah. as product people aren't always necessarily, yeah. don't necessarily always, I'm always necessarily, um, you know, fully qualified facilitators. And <laughs> it's our job is not only to kind of run this workshop, but also to make sure that the right decisions are being oh, made yeah. and, you know, actively shape the roadmap. I think it's very uh, helpful to have an outside facilitator um, who can make sure that everybody's heard and nobody dominates, because what you don't want is you don't want the most senior stakeholder to take okay. over and essentially decide. And what you don't want either is you don't want to agree on the smallest common denominator and try and please everyone a little bit. And then you have these weak goals or these weak roadmaps that really, you know, (laughs) probably not going to result in an amazing, successful product. Yeah. so having having a qualified facilitator there, it might Maybe be a scrum master, it might be an agile coach, it might be another yeah, role, right. um, but it's important that somebody who, who you know, has uh, in a way uh, the, the cloud or, you know, has the courage to uh, tell difficult people or people who like me like to talk a lot, <laughs> you know, uh, thank them and say like, this is lovely, uh, but let's hear from some of the others, you, you know, even if those individuals might be very, uh, very senior. Um And yeah, it guides the team through the decision making process through the road mapping workshop, I think that can be can be really Mm -hmm. beneficial.
0: That's great guidance, Roman. And I think just thinking of that, you know, you're right. You know, not, not everyone is going to be an expert facilitator. There's a lot of soft skills or the personal skills that we that are so important to be a, a product manager or a product, um, the owner of that roadmap. But what I really liked and, and I want to pick out there is you talking about bringing a lot of stakeholders along for the journey and sharing that roadmap often because it's it's just the latest of what we know right now. It's going to change. It's going to be, know, um, yeah, there's going to be changes over the over, over time. But bringing people along that journey and having them bought in often means that when they next f- see the roadmap, there's no surprises on there. They've been bought into those decisions already.
1: That's right. Yes, uh, exactly. And, you know, we, we, we all know that, uh, you know, unexpected things do happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, pandemics come along, uh, you know, wars come along, uh, energy prices go crazy, cost of living you know, it goes through the roof, all sorts of stuff has happened in the past few years. So it seems that if anything, our world has become more volatile and changeable. Right. And so I do think it's really important uh, to make an effort and regularly review the, the product roadmap. Uh, my, 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 um, rule of thumb is once a quarter. Right, sometimes okay. um, that's a little bit too frequent. And then you can maybe go up to four or six months if you have a very stable product in a mm-hmm. stable slow moving market. Sometimes it's not uh, frequent enough. And then you have to kind of go down to two months, sometimes even review the roadmap on a, on a monthly basis, but, right. but often quarterly reviews, collaborative reviews, you know, with the development team representatives and key stakeholders, uh, I think are a good uh, uh, way to start. Um, Yeah. And and as you said, you know, that makes sure that people kind of get reconnected, reconnected with each other, but also get reconnected with the plan and everybody's on the same page. And, uh, you know, the benefit for me as the person in charge of the product is that I, you know, assuming that the conversation is open (laughs) and there's a certain level of trust that, say, the sales rep tells me that actually... Uh, that goal is going to be pretty ambitious, given that everything else that's going on for the sales team, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that quarter, for instance, or, you know, the marketeer as well, wow, you know, that means we'll have to uh, adjust the marketing strategy, uh, because we're reaching out here to a new segment, we'll have to create, uh, maybe use a new marketing channel, uh, and open that up, we'll have to create new marketing collateral. Wow, mm-hmm. you know, that 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 seems very ambitious to me, and I'm I'm not sure that I that I'm, you know, that that this goal is achievable, okay. that it's realistic. So do you know what I mean? So, you know, you, you, that, that I understand at a very early stage, you know, what is doable, what is not doable. Yeah. And we can, we can adapt the plan accordingly. So we don't just kind of, you know, commit to a plan um, or say like, let's do this. <laughs> Full of enthusiasm, and then we find out, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Now the sales rep, you know, can't support it. Now the marketeer can't support it. Now the development team says, "Oh, actually." That's
0: right. That's right. And it, and it's that's I think goes into uh, a bit we'll talk about in, in a moment about the good and the bad and the ugly of roadmaps. But we've often, you know, often it's it's been a tool where we've tried to be well-meaning and we've tried to be too transparent, and it and it's caused us some problems as well. But before we go to that section, Roman, I know there's. some, um, I watched your video uh, that you put on your YouTube channel just a couple of weeks. Go actually around your product strategy model and the next two questions i have for you is is around the relationship of a roadmap to vision strategy objectives and maybe some of those related artifacts because i think certainly when i first started out a roadmap was a single page of of a gantt chart my goodness how has my you know as being a product manager that evolution changed but your video you know touched on things like the product vision board and the go product roadmap maybe you can spend a little time just talking about those because that really resonated with me
1: yeah, sure. I'm very happy to. Um, so, the in a way, a strategy model that I like to work with, and you know that that I've kind of you know created for the work that I do, um, has uh, an overarching vision as the ultimate purpose uh, right. of the product, the reason why we create the product, the positive change it wants. Uh, we want to bring about. Yeah. You know, an example I like to use is something like healthy eating, like a slogan. Uh, easy to understand and hopefully somewhat inspiring. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, we can
0: do it. Yeah,
1: and and then, you know, the strategy will be the path that we uh, that, that we uh, choose in order to um, uh, get closer to our vision, realize our vision at least to a certain extent, mm-hmm. and uh, the approach that uh, we'd like to implement in order to achieve product success, make the product successful. And I think I very briefly mentioned the key elements that I like to describe, and, and that's really the the market, market segment, the target group, the beneficiaries of the product, the users and customers who are those individuals, um, the value proposition and, uh, you know, By that, I mean the needs and particularly the main need or the main problem, uh, the primary benefit that the product should should address. So why would uh, anybody want to use the product? Why would anybody want to pay for that product in one way or another? What is the value that it should create for people? And it might be something like, you know, just to stay with the healthy eating example, reduce the risk of developing type 2 diabetes by, I don't know, making this up between 10 and 20% sure. and then the target group would be middle-aged men like myself who've maybe oh, uh, developed un- unhealthy eating habits maybe don't uh, exercise or don't exercise enough and eat too much and drink too much and all the <laughs> other stuff that we tend to do <laughs> <All the> covid <laughs> introduced <laughs> so um, yeah and then think about maybe some standout features three to five uh, elements uh, capabilities that set the product apart uh, from 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 other products it might be personalized uh, uh, eating recommendations or weight loss recommendations whatever it mm-hmm. might be and then the business goals uh, the, the reason for the company uh, to invest in the product um, you know maybe it's about uh, generating revenue uh, at a later stage it might be about uh, meeting a specific profit target or margin uh, it might be about developing the brand it might be mm-hmm. about um developing a technology advantage it might be a combination thereof but I think there have to be some some tangible um, business benefits that are that a product that our product generates that a product uh, achieves really right. and so you know if I always look at a product as a, a value creating vehicle must create value for a group of people and must at the same time create value for the business mm. and and so for me a strategy has to capture those two uh, parts of this value equation Uh if that makes sense. And if it I'm does. putting this correctly. yeah. And and that's where I'd like to start. And once I've got a, a draft strategy that is um, good enough, uh, I'll I'll start validating it. I'll start testing it. And that means I'll just go through yeah. it systematically and look for the, the key assumptions uh, or leap of faith assumptions, as Eric Ries calls them, um, and, and key risks and, and address them. And that might be Maybe that the target group is uh, too heterogeneous, or it might be that the value proposition isn't isn't strong enough, or that maybe, um, I don't know, uh, the appropriate machine learning technologies aren't available, possibly. <laughs> yeah. um, we just don't know. Yeah, depending on where the risk is, you know, that then uh, um, results in different uh, validation Uh uh, techniques. So it might be direct observation or customer interviews, or it might be a prototyping and, and creating some throwaway prototypes, some spikes. Right. Um, and so then for me, this validated strategy, which means I now have this high level idea of how um, I, I can create value and make the product successful and how I get, can get closer to the, to the vision. That is really the basis for creating, for building a product roadmap. And I'm emphasizing this because I think one of the big mistakes that I've seen people make is just to kind of draw up a roadmap. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you know, you could argue, well, what's wrong about this? And per se, nothing. But if you're not clear on, you know, who the customers and users are and why they would want to use the product in the first place, or how that product would create some value for for the business and, you know, for commercial revenue generating product, how that product will be monetized and what the underlying business model is, I think there is no point really in creating that roadmap. And mm-hmm. the the analogy I like to give is, you know, it's like saying, oh, we want to, I don't know, where would we like to go on holiday next year? Uh, this, so this is autumn here in, in the UK. And it's today yeah. was a lovely day here it, in Buckingham. Austria, but, I mean, yesterday was rainy and windy. Mm-hmm. And so you know, for me, I always get itchy feet this time year. And you know, I think I was talking to my wife about this yesterday, saying, "Oh, you know, let's 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 decide on where we want to spend the next summer family summer holiday." Right. So, and say we wanted to go to Southern France, then you know, before I now think about, okay, um, I must book the shuttle, you know, to get from the UK to France. Or I must book the ferry, and then uh, it's a long journey, so we should really pre-book a hotel or something. Right. I should check that actually a road trip and driving there. Is the right approach? <laughs> <laughs> it <laughs> might be better to take the train. Might be better to fly. Might be better to be ambitious uh, and cycle there, and you know, right. take a little sabbatical. So you know, what's you know, make sure that the we. I need to make sure that I've select the right strategy, and then I can literally do the road mapping. Right, yeah. I can map out the journey, and I think we should do the same thing for our products. Sure. You know. And and that increases the chances that we have uh, that we're able to create a realistic, actionable product roadmap Mm -hmm. And, and not just a product roadmap that is based on, you know, I don't know, hopes and dreams.
0: I was going to say exactly the same. In fact, really resonated with me, Roman, you know, and, and great to bring the road mapping analogy back to a map of roads, right? But it's so true, you know, that the, the outcome is that you get to France and you have an enjoyable holiday, not how you get to France, which, which can change. So I, I absolutely love that you mentioned that and I completely agree. Um, what I wonder if we go into the design of a roadmap. So you mentioned your, one of your preferred ways to visualize that the roadmap is the now, next, later. And I think that's, that's a classic one in terms of different timeframes or different horizons. Um, but what, what are some of the key elements you like to see on there? I think you've mentioned some of them already, but are there any, any other different things
1: you like to see on the roadmap? So for me, because I really have a very strong preference to work with a goal-oriented, outcome-based mm. roadmaps, and I, I've to a certain extent changed my mind on this. Um, I used to say, in certain circumstances, feature-based roadmaps are okay, and you know, pick and choose. But I actually found that, that this advice was, for some people, confusing for some of my clients, and so these days I tend to say, you know, as I mentioned earlier, just. Don't, don't use feature-based roadmaps, <laughs> don't go there. Always think about specific outcomes, always think about specific goals, specific benefits that you'd like to uh, achieve, that you'd like to create with your product over say the next 12 months roundabout. Right. Um, and so for me, that is really the core element of a, you could say modern uh, product roadmap, those outcomes, those goals. And I generally like to uh, identify them first Mm -hmm. and sequence them in such a way that a meaningful narrative is created, a a logical progression so that, you know, it's not just a random collection of outcomes. Oh, engagement and oh, revenue, oh, a retention, oh, then this, oh, then that. It's like, no, 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 let's let's think about this. And, you know, sometimes the sequence can be constrained by the business model, particularly for uh, new products, brand new products. Um, but I think it's really important to to get that right, to carefully think about the goals and then think about, OK, what's a good order? What's a meaningful order? And goals might be directly derive, derived from the uh, needs and uh, the value proposition and the business goals in uh, a higher level product strategy. Or, you know, you, you might find that your KPIs actually point towards some issues that need addressing because right. engagement has dropped. And maybe therefore, you know, that's something you should now. Uh, look into and improve. So and again, that'll depend a little bit where the product is in its life cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the goals I would I would suggest that are on a product roadmap should be in line with the overarching strategy. And right. again, for me, the a roadmap always supports the strategy. And then, so that's really the heart of a roadmap. I'm I'm still a, a fan of working with uh, timeframes and dates. And I guess you know. Uh, Jana might uh, disagree here, certainly for internal product roadmaps, right. so for internal product roadmaps, I find that it can can be very beneficial to um, first of all ask ourselves how long is it likely to take to achieve a specific goal, or yeah. are there any expectations around a time frame by by when the goal um, should have been met right. and sometimes i mean i 've worked for instance in, in healthcare for a number of years, you do have external time constraints, I remember sure there's this uh trade show the rsna in the us and for certain uh, imaging products like uh uh, certain certain healthcare products like imaging devices like x-ray machines and ultrasound machines it it used to be at least the case that you had to show a at least a prototype at this trade show so you could then launch a new product or you could then introduce a a new product version or you think about um entertainment type products, be it computer games or be it gadgets like smartphones, you know, typically, you know, now is a good time to introduce uh, new products to gear up for the Christmas sales. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, this is typically then where most of the money is made. So, you know, sometimes you've got some hard uh, external time constraints. And I think then it's very important and helpful to take them into account. Uh, on the product roadmap and during the roadmap uh, planning uh, process. Definitely. So they timeframes goals. Um, um, and again, you know, they timeframes with the restriction uh, on internal product roadmaps. What else do I like to put in their metrics? I mm-hmm. like to put metrics on my roadmaps to ensure that the goals and outcomes are specific and measurable. I really like um, that. And then, you know, the, the added benefit is that you can take the metrics and add them to your set of KPIs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like to uh, put high-level, coarse-grained features, capabilities on my roadmaps, um, yeah. but you know, I tend to say first of all, any feature on a product roadmap must be truly big. <laughs> so right. you, again, if I go back to the healthy eating example, something like dashboard or something like social media integration, literally at that level, no, yeah. no, no, no more detail, no epics, no user stories, no detailed right. functionality. That's a no-go <laughs> because <laughs> okay. otherwise you solutionize and you kind of. You know make detailed in a way tactical product decisions uh, too early yes. um, and uh, and the other thing I'd really like to emphasize is that any feature on a roadmap if if you decide to add features really must serve a goal so you can't mm-hmm. just stick a feature on that you right. know any feature really has to help meet a goal and so if a stakeholder comes to me and says like well, I mean, I've got this super super important feature you know if we implement this then we'll be Rich, next <laughs> yeah. quarter and hey, you know, champagne breakfast every morning, uh, talking about healthy eating. Um, exactly,
0: but that, that golden thread back up to our goals is is vital. Was really important, at least.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. Then have to sort of see if there's a, a goal that you know this feature supports and if that's not the case either um, you know you decline the request or uh, adapt change the product roadmap but I can't just stick it on there Absolutely. so that's that's really important and then you know the final kind of rule that I have is no more than three to five coarse-grained high-level features per goal but because you know we don't want to turn our product roadmap into a mini backlog and in fact right. that's a mistake that I've seen roadmaps that are too detailed uh, contain too many, too much information too many elements particularly you know too many detailed pieces of functionality and then you have an overlap with a requirement specification or a product right. backlog in an agile right. context. You know, those documents start to compete. Um, updating or keeping the product roadmap up to date is, is more work. It makes the roadmap more volatile. So I wouldn't really wanna I wouldn't want to go there. Right. So those are some some key elements um, that, that I'd be looking for. Um, and as it happens, <laughs> I created, uh, you, you mentioned the the, the Go product roadmap, I created a right. template with those elements. And there's actually a fifth one, just the name, if meeting the, the goal does result in a major release or new product version. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I captured those elements as a, as a template a few years ago. Um, but it's not about the template, it's really, for me, again, uh, the, you know, the, it's the road mapping approach it's first and uh, first and foremost asking ourselves why are we spending time money and energy on progressing our product you know what is the specific value we want to create what are the specific outcomes to specific goals mm-hmm. um, and then you know adding other elements if and when that's uh, helpful just nodding through
0: that, and my head's going to fall off. But it completely makes sense to me. And the bits that I picked out from that really resonated was, was not adding so many features or even capabilities on there where it becomes a mini backlog. Yeah. I loved your co- your comment around uh, different dates because for me as a former product manager, I used to look after the e basket for Dell in, in, in EMEA. Mm-hmm. And so some of my uh, key things, deliverables, were when Switch changed... Sorry, when um, Switch changed to Maestro, um, mm-hmm. that was a big key one that we had to hit dates because that, was, that payment method was going away. And there was also some legal compliance things around yeah. insurances and we absolutely had to meet those dates. So that, that really resonated as well. So I completely agree, I think it, it, it depends, um, but you've just got to, to work with your market, work with your stakeholders and understand what's really relevant to them. And I think you've, you've shared some, some great kind of anti-patterns as well of, of where people can sometimes go wrong. I guess to close out this this section, do you have any tools that you prefer to use for managing or visualizing your roadmap? And and that's not necessarily a leading question from from maybe my background, but what's your favorite? Because I think my favorites even changed over the years.
1: In, in terms of the format, it's the it be sort of you know an, an outcome-based, goal-oriented uh, you know format that I'd be uh, that I that I use full mm-hmm. stop. And you know I I like to use the the template, apply the template that I've created. But I mean yeah. I I really just you know, I, I just really basically fill out the, the PDF template that's available for download plug on my website, um, or, yeah. you know, use a, 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 a spreadsheet based version. So I'm, I'm really in terms of tooling, I'm, I'm low key. <laughs> um, I know that some, some some you know, not some, a lot of organizations like to use much more powerful road mapping tools. And of course, there are a number of uh, commercial road mapping tools out yeah. there and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, for me, again, it's a matter of experimentation, and I, my, my general advice that I give myself, but also that I give my, my clients and you know, people who come on my training courses is, do the simplest thing that could possibly work initially, and that might be literally drawing up a roadmap on a piece of paper, or PowerPoint uh, slide, or uh, you know, a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you are happy with the roadmapping approach that you've uh, found, you're happy, you know what the key elements are that you want to display on your roadmap, you know roughly how much detail you want to put put on there and you know what timeframe you want to cover, then you're in a great position to look at the commercial tools that are out there and do some meaningful evaluation and pick the one that serves your needs best rather than being tool-led. Um, I was once working with uh, a large established publisher Uh, And they had just kind of introduced a product management organization for their digital products. And, uh, did a, a road mapping strategy session for them. And you know, then they said to me, which which tool should we use? And I said, well, I gave them this advice. And then I think a couple of months later, they, they got back in touch and saying, hey, Roman, you're yeah, making some really good progress. Oh, uh, can you teach us how to use this tool that we've selected now? <laughs> no tool is the silver bullet. And a tool is really only there to
0: speed up a process. So it's really strip it back to basics. And that's why my tool of choice has, has maybe changed over the years as well. Strip it back to basics um, and, and really think what you need and then look for a tool that meets those needs uh, the other yeah. bit that you mentioned is is your, your your website so we'll definitely put for people watching on YouTube or if you're listening on the podcast come along to the YouTube video and we'll put in a link some some links back to Roman's site and and some of these uh these templates that he mentions because they're, they're really valuable and I've used those with my clients
1: oh that's nice of you to say yeah so you know don't, don't get me wrong uh, I, I don't want to sort of say tools aren't important but I you know, just like with the the example I was trying to share, you know, from the client, I think it's a common trap that we tend to fall into that we're too let and that we believe, oh, you know, if I only select the right tool, then the rest will be easy. Yes. But you know along the lines you know along you know along the lines or along whatever you know you said something like this much earlier in our conversation you know about the concepts and you know being aware of the context and then deciding how to apply it I think you know that's exactly what we need to do we need to figure out how we want to play things and then select the right tool and then typically the tool will be helpful right but otherwise it's sort of that fool with a tool type uh, scenario.
0: I've said the same thing in videos previously I still love that a fool with a tool is still a fool and that that's you know that that really resonates that's a, a brilliant quote um roman you're one of the people that i come to for advice on roadmapping but i'm curious on on whose advice on road mapping do you perhaps listen to
1: whose advice do i listen to so i mean i i listen to you know the my, my colleagues in the product management community so there's not a single person that i i go to but um you know, I'm I, I always kind of always curious to sort of hear what other people have to say about product roadmaps. Uh, you know, you've talked about Jana or, you know, be it mm-hmm. Marty, Marty Kagan, who's in the past been quite critical of product roadmaps. I remember listening to a talk by Marty. Marty, that was a long time ago. I think I, that yeah. might have been. I don't know, that must be like 12 years ago or longer. And, you know, he said, oh, Pro Roadmaps, don't use Pro Roadmaps. <laughs> I think he might have changed his mind somewhat on this or have a, have a slightly more differentiated uh, perspective. Um, so it, because it helps me evolve my own thinking and it helps right. me um, also challenge my own uh, my own thoughts, my own assumptions, right? I mean, it's so easy to suffer from confirmation bias. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> I think yes, I know true. best. Um, but, I mean, it's there's not you know, there's not a specific person. I hope that, you know, people don't think I am the roadmap expert because, you know, I don't really, you know, I don't think it's about saying that person is right or that person is wrong. It's really listening to different people, uh, looking at different approaches. And as we've just said a number of times, then experimenting with different Mm. uh, ideas and approaches and figuring out what is the right one for me, for my product in my organization. Yeah. Yeah. so that's that's what I'd like to encourage people to do. Um, you Such know, a good response. Yeah, and you know if you know if somebody say for instance uh, uses my Go roadmap or any of my other templates, that's brilliant. But I tend to say you know use them as a starting point and then adapt them. Right. Um, I mean, I do appreciate if people um, if people adhere to the the license agreement, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you know, I mean, they're just meant to be a starting point.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's like you said, it's just experiment with it. Be playful. Take the bits you like. Discard the bits you don't. Um, you know, you're obviously in touch with a lot of your different clients and a lot of different experts in the world. You take the bits that you like. And, and you think of different opportunities and then and then craft your own so i think that's I think that's really great advice. Are there any road mapping resources that you typically recommend, or does that fall into the same kind of response as the previous one
1: it does yeah i mean i'm, I, I'm you know this is uh, another outrageous plug i mean so i mean it's, it's not of course it's not the uh, product road mapping resource but i mean i I actually um You know, I I, I recently, uh, in September, um, published the second edition of Strategize and um, I essentially rewrote the roadmap part um, and and so because, you know, some of my thinking had changed over the past six odd years and I felt there was uh, an opportunity really to update it and Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, improve, 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 particularly those sections. And um, so, you know, as part of that, I did uh, quite a lot of research, uh, looked at quite a lot of other books in that space. I read a lot of articles. uh, And uh, yeah, and so, you know, for me, if somebody says I'd like to learn more about goal-oriented, outcome-based roadmaps, particularly in an agile context, then I say, like, well,
0: why don't you have a look? <laughs> I confess I haven't read it yet, but it's That's on right. my growing list of, of of books. And congratulations on the on the second version. In fact, you're not a first. That's not your first book either, is it, Roman?
1: No, no, it's not my first book. Uh, but you know, I I just I just thought that the book was 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 decent and but that was you know partly because of because because my thinking has evolved and changed right there was an opportunity to make it in a way better and make it more up to date a few people said to me why did you why did you issue a second edition what was wrong with the first book it was pretty <laughs> good, good. it's yeah, like that's exactly. nice of you to say however <laughs> there's always room to improve uh, a product and you know it, it, i also felt you know that some of the the examples uh, needed updating or benefited from updating right, and that yeah. way hopefully it stays fresh and meaningful for people and you know that's what it's about
0: it is that's really humble of you and i think you mentioned on your website that it's writing these books is a nice way to summarize and acknowledge your knowledge of of that subject at the time and it's okay for our knowledge to change over time and, and you share that with your audience with which i think is fantastic so look, Roman, we're we're going to look to to wrap things up. I've probably got a couple of last questions. This this next one's a bit difficult, actually, but it's it's not to trick you, uh, to to, to um, catch you out. It's I found this difficult, which is if you had to distil your philosophy of roadmapping into a couple of sentences, what would it be?
1: So I guess the the first sentence will be: base your product roadmap on a validated product strategy. Number one. A second one is use a goal-oriented, outcome-based product roadmap and ensure that any outcomes, goals are specific and measurable. Right. Uh, third, use a collaborative roadmapping approach and involve actively involve key stakeholders and development team members in creating the product roadmap. And finally, <laughs> uh, right. finally um, regularly inspect and adapt the roadmap, regularly review the product roadmap, uh, make sure that it stay, stays up to date. Um, and again, uh, preferably involve key stakeholders and development team representatives in those reviews, in those updates. So, you know, for me, those are key elements of what I would call a healthy product roadmap mapping practice. That's great.
0: And, and, and I think, you know, I think people will be scribbling down those notes at home. I know that I'm going to be taking some of those as well, because I think it's roadmapping is a process, not just an artefact. And, it, and it's getting into that mindset. So that really resonated with me. I think you nailed it there. Oh, Roman. You. Before we wrap up, I wanted to, to give you a chance just to share with our audience where they can learn more. If stuff that we've spoke about has piqued their interest, where can they go to get more information on you and get in touch?
1: Yeah, sure. Happy to do so. So, you know, the best place to go is probably my website, uh, RomanPishler.com. Um, so there's a fair amount of free information available on road mapping, uh, blog posts, uh, podcast episodes, at least a few um, there are some uh, YouTube videos, uh, which you kindly uh, mentioned earlier. Um, there also, if you're interested, links to the books, uh, particularly to Strategize, and you can download uh, a product roadmap template if that's something you'd like to experiment with. So yeah, check that out, and uh, hopefully you'll find something that is that is useful for you.
0: Absolutely brilliant, and I know that myself. I'm, I'm really grateful for the, the thought leadership and the, the you know the transparency and things that you've shared. So Roman, oh, thank, thank you. you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for being so generous with your time. Um, I'm going to wrap up now. So folks, if you've enjoyed today's session, please do give us a like. If you think that something that Roman or I have shared, probably Roman, let's face it, is going to resonate with your um, with your teams please do go and share it with them. And um, if you haven't subscribed already and you found value, please do consider uh, subscribing to the channel. Um, Also, if you'd like to get in touch because you want to be where Roman is today, then feel free to reach out in the comments or drop us an email. Otherwise, Roman, it just leaves me to thank you once again. It's been an absolute pleasure and I look forward to speaking to you again.
1: Yeah, likewise. Uh, It was lovely to talk to you. and Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks.